Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. Have you always dreamed about becoming a best-selling author? Well, I can make that dream come true for you if you're interested in writing a chapter for my next compilation book, Transforming Pain into Purpose, Triumphant Tales of Empowerment. If you're interested in learning more about writing and contributing to this compilation book, I'll put my contact info in the show notes. Please feel free to send me a DM on Facebook, or you can reach out to me through Instagram to learn more about this incredible opportunity to become an international best-selling author. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Elda Lopez. She is an author, author of the book, The Infidelity Factor, Points to Ponder Before You Cheat also an advocate for infidelity prevention. Welcome, Elda. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here with me today. I'm excited to have you on and jump into all the things Elda. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. It's been a long time coming, but we, we got it down now. So yay. Yes. <laughs> yes. We have had a few rehearsals, we'll call them dress rehearsals. <laughs> Instead of failures, we'll call them dress rehearsals. Thank you. I like that. Yeah. So I'm very happy to be here with you today. So thank you for being here. Um, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you. Had a busy morning. Probably going to have a busy day, you know, with the holidays yeah. coming up and getting yeah. all that in order. But yeah, overall, I'm doing Overall, I'm doing fine. Thanks. Excellent. Well, let's jump right in then, Elda. So as I mentioned, you're the author of the book titled The Infidelity Factor, Points to Ponder Before You Cheat. You are an advocate for infidelity prevention. Can you tell us a little bit more about your book and when you wrote the book? Yes. I wrote the book, funny you should ask, almost 10 years ago. <laughs> wow. So I'm doing a 10-year celebration soon, and I'm doing a book relaunch with a new cover and uh, tweaked the content somewhat, but okay. because the content is pretty much always relevant, it hasn't veered too much from the original content. And I have a reflection page over what's happened in the last 10 years. But yes, I'm an advocate for infidelity prevention. I think it's important. Infidelity, as we are witness to globally, is it's an everyday life, all socioeconomic strata. There's no prejudice where it's concerned. It just hits where it hits and it's becoming normalized or it has been normalized for a while. And that's unfortunate. It's like a runaway train and I know it will never be completely reined in. Um, that's not my part in in that system. But it's just to bring more awareness to what we can do as far as building ourselves up to be healthier people, to make better choices, wiser choices, and see the red flags and be able to hold strong in who we are as we continue to grow and gain health. So it's kind of like a 10-year anniversary re-release of the book then. Yes, it is. Excellent. Yes, yes. Why did you decide to focus the subject matter of your book on infidelity? Was this inspired by some of your own personal struggles or experiences around infidelity? Well, initially, what really triggered me to put fingers to keyboard, okay. I live in Los Angeles, California, and there was a certain 
governor years uh-huh. ago who was found <laughs> out, who shall remain nameless, but everybody yes. knows his name. So yes. um, <laughs> anyway, so he was found out to have had this affair and a child from this affair. And I thought, my God, you know, somebody in such a high position and his wife is beautiful. She's accomplished. She comes from this, you know, well-to-do family. And it just affects everyone and everything. And that kind of put me over the edge. It's like, what's happening? Why aren't we addressing this more so? And then my backstory, a part of my backstory is that I have been the other woman and my ex-husband cheated on me. So I have a viewpoint to speak from in both aspects. So my approach is very non-judgmental. I can't very well go finger pointing when I've done the same thing. Even though I didn't do it while I was in a committed relationship or while I was married, I was more of the partner of a philanderer. So it's everywhere. You know, everyone has a story. Absolutely. Yeah, everyone knows someone who's been affected, if not themselves, you know, in one way or another. So it's it's common. I just kind of wanted to say, hey, can we just kind of regroup a little? Let's take a look at this. What's happening? Can you share a little bit more about your personal experiences? Yes, I can. When I was younger, I was involved with somebody. And this is in the book. My story is in the book. I was involved with someone and it wasn't see you same time next year. It was catch as catch can. And me, I personally, I found him to be very intriguing. His life accomplishments, who he was, how we interacted with each other. We had known each other from the neighborhood And we became friendly and one thing led to another. And, but this is interesting. We never fully consummated our relationship. And for him, that would have been going too far, which again, we have our own, how we reflect on these situations and what our ethics are or morals are at any given point and how we make them work for us or you know, rationalization, things of this nature. I'm speaking broadly, of course. I can't yeah, speak for of this course. Person. No, no. Um, yeah. So, but that was the ultimate no-no for him, which is what most affairs are made of. Right. You have a sexual relationship, you know, yeah. or at least intercourse. That's a part yeah. of it. Although they're emotional and other types of affairs. But so ours was based on that. And I never knew when I'd see him. But when I did, it was thrilling. I didn't think about his wife at the time. I I had no thought in that direction at all, which kind of seems to be a running theme for people who have in, who betray or involved with betrayal. It's, they're not thinking, they're just acting out, you know, action, reaction. And if there is electricity, certainly that is a component that feeds into the doing without knowing exactly what could be the outcome from that. So we continued that off and on for many years, actually. And then I became involved with my ex-husband. And during the time I was involved with my ex-husband, I was not involved with this person. He was still married. But when I became engaged to my ex-husband, he had been newly separated from his wife. Okay. So I thought, wow. This timing is sort of fascinating and frustrating, but you know, I was in love with my husband. And so I, I, I 
went and got married and did all the things and did all the things you're not supposed to do as well. As far as me, my mindset for getting married, I didn't get married till I was 43. Okay. Was I had an idea of what marriage should be and should is a really big word. And it was my downfall here. My ex-husband had been married before. He enjoyed being married. So he had the information. He had the experience. I didn't, but I needed it to be a certain way. I wanted it, you know, to be uh, the way I wanted it to be without giving full credit or full understanding that there was a real life human being who was sharing this journey with me. But I wasn't, you know, really familiar with teamwork and I had a lot of opinions at the time and, you know, I've evolved tremendously since then, but it created disconnects and it, whatever he chose to do, because I believe infidelity is a choice unless there's some underlying like true psychological or mental or uh, physical condition, which I'm not an expert in those fields. But anyway, so he made the choice and he didn't know how to communicate effectively with me or perhaps he was trying to, and I didn't understand his approach. And we were in therapy as well before and during. It wasn't hard for me to be consistent because I've touched on therapy throughout most of my adult life because I feel it's a valuable tool for personal growth. And I like to grow. I like to learn from my mistakes. He was doing it more for me, which is not the best thing. Although he did find some discoveries. Anyway, so he wound up having an affair. And I didn't know it at first. There were signs along the way in retrospect. One day at home, there was a phone call. I, you know, picked up the phone and nobody was there. Someone hung up and I said, oh, you know, that must be your girlfriend. Just making a joke. Ha ha ha. Yeah. And then another time we were in the car and I smelled this perfume and it wasn't an aroma. It's nothing I would wear and nothing I knew that anyone else in my close circle wore. And so this is going to sound really catty, but at the time, you know, I said, it smells like some very cheap perfume, you know? (laughs) And uh, he said, well, my sister was in the car. Well, I was around his sister quite frequently and I never smelled that on her. So I was like, okay, you know, note to self. And then, and I don't jump to conclusions. You know, I I take notes along the way. Right. And then I consulted a psychic. I'm a person who uses all different resources. I don't live and die by anyone. I take from here and there. I don't live and die by anyone's opinion. So I take from here and there and then whatever resonates with me, I use the good and move with that. So I called this psychic and she was referred to me like a minute in. She said, there's been an infidelity in your marriage. Wow. Yeah. And I started laughing. I said, what? And she said, yes, there's been an infidelity in your marriage. Well, I just said, okay, it's not me. And I let it go. Because there was nothing to discuss. That wasn't why I was talking to her. It was about my husband's project he had at the time. And I wanted to see how that was going to pan out. And so I let it be. I didn't question her anymore. Uh, Later on that day, I did have a therapist appointment. And I said it to the therapist. I said, I'm not taking this anywhere else. I just want it on the record. This is what the psychic said. 
And I didn't tell friends. I didn't tell family. I didn't even tell my ex-husband. I said nothing. And so as time went on, and I nor was I suspicious. Again, I take notes and I just kind of move through life with the information and see um, how things pan out. So he was really not happy in the marriage. And he said, I don't want this anymore. And I was, of course, taken aback. Although yeah. we did argue quite a lot. We did. You know, it, it was not a marriage made in heaven. We had our struggles. But there was love. You know what I mean? There's yeah. love. So that's always a challenge to try and understand what how that all plays into it as well. So I chose to move out because sometimes I believe you need, need to literally move away in order to come back together and breathing room and space and all that. So there was one point... I was in the twilight sleep between waking and sleeping. And my intuition said, he's having an affair. Uh And I kind of bolted upright out of bed. And I knew without a doubt, I didn't even question. I'm pretty good with intuition. And when it hits me this hard, I know there's something. I know it, it means something. So I got on the phone. It was like five in the morning or something. And I... I reached his voicemail and I just, you know, stream of consciousness profanity is really what came out of my mouth. And, you know, it was very, I was livid and my language was vivid. And, and I just said, look, I, I know you are, I know you are having an affair. And so eventually when he did call me back, he denied. And then finally he said, yes, he had been. And at that moment, I was more upset that he lied to me. You know, you lied to me. This is a big, fat lie. And for me, that was most off-putting. I mean, some affairs, they don't mean anything, you know. And I'm of the person that I was strong enough in myself. I was 43. So I was, you know, pretty fully formed Not completely, but, you know, I had some, uh, I was grounded in who I was. So I didn't take it to be something, what was wrong with me, which a lot of women do. And it's unfortunate, you know, that, and I understand it. It's a natural reaction. That wasn't my reaction for me. It was like, why, what, you know, and I kind of knew why I I really did because we had struggles in our relationship. So it was kind of a, a logical step for him being who he was and not fully coming clean and being able to have a dialogue about it. Anyway, that's how that all transpired. And it was hell for a while. I'm sure. Yeah, it really, really was. I mean, I'm a really strong individual. I'm a tough cookie and it was hard. I uh, moved near my family. They're like 45 minutes away from me. And I stayed at that out that way for a while and I didn't know what to expect and but ironically during this time and I don't recommend this but because of who I am because I've already had therapy and growth and I was grounded pretty much at that point in my life I didn't go to therapy for some reason I wanted to feel it and I felt it deeply and it was troubling and challenging and all those things you hear they're all true you know, all the the stages you go through. So the weird upside to this is that I was able to spend a lot of time with my mother. And because of that, it was like mother and child again. And at this point, I was probably 45 years old. And I moved out of the house when I was 17. 
So I've been pretty independent on my life, but I really needed my mom. My father had passed away years before and I okay. really needed my mom and she was there and she's awesome. My mother was just an awesome person. So I was able to spend time with her and she's pretty much, my brother and sister live out there as well in, in Huntington Beach, California. And we're close. We all live very close to each other, but I really want to spend time with my mom. And uh, she passed away two years after. So I was thankful that I had that time, such a concentrated amount of time to spend with her. So in that regard, I almost have to thank my ex-husband for that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So out of adversity, you know, I don't recommend people do that to get to find the rainbow, you know, on the yeah. other side. But <laughs> it's interesting how that worked. And I'm thankful that it worked that way. But, it, you know, saying it was a challenge is putting it mildly. And I'm someone right. who is pretty strong. So for someone who didn't have the grounding that I had, it'll break you. It'll just break you. It'll damage you to your core. And it's terribly sad, you know, that there's a way to alleviate that. And that's my purpose, you know. And so these experiences for you then are, I'm assuming here, the inspiration behind you starting down the path of being an advocate for infidelity prevention. Exactly. Yeah, okay. exactly. You know, even though my experience happened seven years before I wrote the book, yeah. And it wasn't until, uh, you know, the governor did what he did and it, it just blew me, it just blew me away. It's just everywhere on every level. And there's such hypocrisy, you know, uh, with it. And because it's a societal issue, it's a cultural issue, it's a religious issue, gender stereotype issue. And so all that feeds into, you have to present this part of yourself and just make it work no matter what. And it doesn't, life doesn't work that way. People don't work that way. You know, I think innately as humans, we, we are given gifts that we aren't allowed to express because of a lot of what I just stated. And so that leads us down paths that we may become successful, but are we fully formed humans? Have we met our full potential? which could lead to a greater joy overall. Of course, we're going to have you know, trials, tribulations, stops and starts and, and question ourselves along the way. But if we're not allowed in the beginning, we're in our natural state to express ourselves and whatever that means, then it creates all kinds of turmoil, you know, oppression, suppression, repression, which creates, you know, an offshoot is infidelity. What does that advocacy work around this topic look like for you? How do you approach the work you're doing around this now? Well, it's interesting. I don't really have to approach it. It approaches me. Okay. Um, once, once people find I have this book, they will come to me. People I don't even know. I mean, at book signings and things like that, you know, I don't know them, but it's in a public setting and people still come to me and they want to just tell their story. And in private settings, people will come up to me and again, want to tell their story. It's no, not so much they're seeking advice, but they want an ear, a non-judgmental ear. And I think it helps them to help themselves hear themselves. And then I will 
throw in some suggestions and guidance. And that's my part. Here's some building blocks. And do you see where maybe you could have looked at this differently? And this is only one side of the story. And there yeah. are always two sides to the story. And then there's the truth, you know? Yes. Three sides but to every story. Exactly. So I, again, because I'm non-judgmental, I just give what I can from what I've heard, the story I've heard, and just try to lead someone in a healthier direction, whatever that means for them. For their circumstance. Interestingly enough, it's men who are talking. It's men who are sharing. Women just, they kind of, you know, talk around it. They really don't want an ear. I don't understand that. I'm not quite sure what that's about, but I'm not going to question that either. If that's what's resonating right now and it has been for a while that men are coming to me and it's resonating with me to have them approach me and i'm open to it and they want to share i think that's great that's a whole yeah. untapped market and it, it does make sense because men aren't given the skill set or the tools to enhance their emotional life or their Very emotional true. intelligence you know so you go out in the world, find a wife, you make a living, you provide, you procreate, you do all these things and, you know, manly things, whatever that is, uh, whatever that means to somebody, but they're not given any other tools so that they yeah. can interact effectively with their children and their wife. And women, we come, I think, more prepared just naturally. We yeah, have our sure. issues. Trust me, but we have our issues without a doubt. And I'm not advocating that one gender is better than the other or more advanced than the other. But certainly there's a need for men to have an open forum and discuss their feelings and hopefully learn as they go along. So that's my next step with the book. You know, come spring, I want to do workshops specifically for men. And I belong to this mastermind group. And, you know, we'd have breakout uh, sessions and I said specifically men and, and this, there were mostly women in the group. And one of the women said, but you're eliminating 50% of possible clients, but that's not what's coming towards me. It's the men who are coming. So I'm going to go with what feels right and what is being brought to me. Absolutely. I'm curious how you felt and how you came to terms with and were okay with being the other woman and what kind of effects that had on you both emotionally and mentally. I mean, it couldn't have been easy to deal with. You know what? It was (laughs) in a a weird way because I didn't look at it from any sort of spiritual or logical or, you know, ethical point of view. It was like, wow, I'm really attracted to this guy. Look who he is. Look what he's done in the world. And I, you know, it was a thrill for me just to be around him. And that was more of the thrill than the physical, which is interesting now that I think about it. Um, (laughs) But I was attracted to him because that has to be a component, I think. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just thrilled to be in his presence and whenever I could be in his presence. I was still conducting my life apart from this person. I still would date and do other things and having a grand old time. And yeah, I would touch base with him here and there on my own. But if he happened to say, hey, you know, well, I've got a minute here or something there. We never went to hotel rooms or anything like that. 
yeah, we found other opportunities. But no, it was not what I should have been doing. I didn't unravel that marriage because it was already unraveling. Right. But that didn't make me less culpable for taking him outside of what he, you know, probably should have been doing to create a better environment for his marriage. But whether it would have lasted or not, and it didn't, but nonetheless, you know, I didn't have to be a component in that. I chose to be because of ignorance and youth. And although I wasn't a kid, but naivete and just wanting to fulfill my fantasy. Yeah. Another interesting, my fantasy with him, not like, Ooh, I want to go out and have an affair with somebody. Right. It was this man in particular. So the other interesting fact there is that had he said, let's, I'm going to leave my wife, let's start up and do something, you know, with our relationship. I don't think I would have wanted that either. You know, yeah, the thought of that, it was like, oh, I don't know for a fact because it didn't happen. But pondering that, it's like, no, I I just wanted the thrill. It was the thrill for me, definitely. Yeah. Of it and who he was as a person and how much fun we had together. Did you receive backlash or scrutiny from people who knew you were the other woman? And how did you deal with that? And what would you say to people? I mean, you must have told some people, friends, what was going on. I did. No one judged me. No one judged me. I think because overall, they thought I could handle it, whatever that means, you know. No one judged me, but this is interesting. There was a point in my my life when I had three friends who were having affairs, three girlfriends who were having affairs, and they each came to me for counsel. And I told <laughs> each of them, I said, look, here's the thing. If you get found out, it's going to be not in your favor. It's going yeah. to be hurtful. You know, all hell could break loose. But I also said, if you feel this is something you really need to do, then you know, that's up to you to do it, but understand there are consequences. And this was before I think I even had my affair. So some hypocrisy there on my (laughs) end, of course. (laughs) So, but I still wasn't judging them. You know, I was just like, okay, this this is something you feel you really have to do. Fine. But just know on the other side, you could lose this marriage. It's going to be hell. You go through a divorce and all this. So, but it's not my life. Yeah. So So how has being on both sides of the fence helped you to get a better understanding of why people are unfaithful and how it's helped? How has it helped you in your advocacy work? It helps me because I'm authentic. I understand both sides. I'm not just speaking from a clinical point of view as far as if you were to go therapist and they're one, my therapist is wonderful. And there are plenty of wonderful therapists and and books clinically written to help guide you through it. But if you haven't been through it, I mean, the advice is sound, you know, it really is. But I think you have a little extra flavor if you bring authenticity to it, you know, for sure, an extra layer of truth. And then you have people who go the opposite, who are just very snarky and they're just bitter and hateful and, And I understand why that's a part of it, but I think you have to work through that so that you don't remain in that state, which can affect your body in many, many different ways. And it doesn't bring you closer to finding joy or another relationship or the most importantly, the one you have with yourself. Yeah. Yeah healthy relationship. 
And then I find myself in this practical state of mind. Okay, yeah, you know, it's in retrospect, it wasn't the brightest thing I could have done. We were never found out, by the way. It didn't affect his relationship one way or another as far as their marriage or their anything like that was concerned. You know, I was, I was like an outlet, you know, respite and outlet, which is not a good way to look at yourself as an outlet, but I also reciprocated in in that regard as well. So having both points of view, I, I get it now. I get why this is damaging. I understand that, you know, I, you're hurting yourself number one, because you're not allowing yourself to have the most enriched relationship you can. If you're only allowing yourself to receive bits and parts of this person and certainly damaging another person who didn't know I was on the other side, just whatever that means in the spiritual sense, you know, that yeah. to do that to another individual. So I understand that. And then I've seen, well, and through speaking to people, how deep it can go. I mean, chaos ensues. When you get a bitter person on the other end, you don't know what's going to happen. And there's suicide, there's dismemberment, there's death, there's mutilation. And this is a very real part of it. So the further I got into my research, I understood things more so. And then it made me more aware. Well, thankfully, I didn't have any of that in my experience or situation. But still, hey, it's not a good idea. Really not in anyone's best interest to do that. I mean, my motto is cheating is defeating. And the only reason it wouldn't be is if on the other side of it, you can look at it differently and learn from it. But that's not the majority. And I've spoken to a lot of therapists about this. And it's hard to gauge those people who do percentage-wise really elevate themselves and work towards a healthier relationship because there's a lot of secrecy involved with infidelity and their shame and and all that, you know, which I never felt because it was like, I was having this experience, this big, broad experience. And I needed to tell people not to make my ex-husband look bad, but just like, this is happening to me. I'm being affected. This is what's going on. I needed to get my emotions and feelings out. So it just made me realize that it's not the best thing for anyone And if you do get to the other side of it, there's still a tremendous amount of work. If you want to mend your marriage or your relationship, it's consistency. It's people laying everything on the table. You know, it's accusations, it's anger, it's pain, resentment. I mean, things thrown at you, probably literally at some point, you know, (laughs) angry, they do physical stuff, but it's being able to have that release because you do need to release that. And have a professional or a spiritual advisor or a trusted friend being able to hear it neutrally so they can unwind this tangled ball of disconnect and help people individually and help them as a couple so they can understand each other and if they choose to. But it's a long road and it's a dedicated road. It's a consistent road and there's going to be plenty of stops and starts and it's just you know, it, it's its own animal. But when you get to the other side of it, you have a much more intimate, enriched relationship. You know, the pot of gold at the end of a very stormy night where a rainbow shows for a moment. And then, you know, you may eventually get to that pot of gold. Yeah. So. 
It's a very difficult road, which is why I err on the side of prevention. You say that your goal is to lay new groundwork for progressive thought and action. No more cheat, defeat, and repeat. What does that mean, lay new groundwork for progressive thought and action? And how do you plan to do that for people? Well, it's sort of basic, but not. So the basic element is that take a look at yourself. Really take a progressive look at yourself. You know, who am I in the grand scheme of things in the world at large? Or who I who am I to my family or to my kids, to my mate, just unto myself? What are my wants, needs, desires, non-negotiables? What can I compromise? What I can't? I mean, seriously, make a list of these things. And don't be afraid to put everything on that list. Because the more clear you are with who you are, then it's easier to be more solid in your person so that you could be more aware of what's coming at you as far as red flags are concerned and what you feel won't work or will work. And it is, you know, trial and error. We don't get it right first time out the gate, but most people, they go into relationships and it's all fun and new and you know, fairy tale ish, and it's it's the sex, and you know, all the high of infatuation, and oh, we're going to build this life, and blah 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 blah, and all the intentions are there. But if you really don't know yourself, and you're two people coming together who don't know themselves, and you're trying to work your way through it, it gets confusing, and resentments build, anger builds, intimacy is lacking which creates a whole other whirlwind of emotions. So it's better to be solid and really courageous. Take a look in that mirror, sit down, look at yourself and write who you are or who you aspire to be and how am am I going to get there and who do I want to bring along with me should that be part of the reality. So get clear with that and don't be afraid to let that be known. Not in harsh ways, but, you know, there's diplomacy and how we approach yeah. this. And then sometimes you don't know your non-negotiables until you're inside of it. And then it's like, oh, okay, we need to have a discussion. So have a discussion. Check in with each other, too. Whenever it feels right, whenever someone needs to have a discussion, be able to have the freedom to say, hey, honey, can we sit down and talk? I want to talk. You know, I want to discuss something and do it in a neutral way. And this is what I've discovered. Just recently, as a matter of fact, the last couple of years is listening with intent, actively listening without interrupting. And that's (laughs) hard. Oh my God, that's the hardest thing. It is because most people listen just to speak. Yeah. They're like, okay, 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 okay. But this is what's really, this is what I have to (laughs) say. And that's ego getting in the way because, you know, what I have to say is much better and it will solve this problem. Yeah, I'm guilty of that. When I I felt I was, oh, I'm just the big communicator. Oh, look at me communicating. Problem was I was communicating at my ex-husband, not with him. And there's a huge difference. The same thing with listening and listening without interrupting. That's key because that's where you find out what's really happening. Because sometimes we already have preconceived notion of what's going to come out of that person's mouth and how you're going to reply and how this is going to work out according to your terms, because you think you've got the right answer. Well, if we don't give the partner a chance to really dig deep and allow them to speak, you know, however long it takes, that's where the knowledge can be truly gained and the aha 
moment. For sure. Yeah. And For like, sure. oh, now I get it. Shoot, I didn't see that before. Yeah. And coming out of that on the other side is that, you know, for our life at large, we have rules and regulations. You know, we have things that keep us in place, laws that keep us in place that are to help create civility and all that stuff. But we have these laws for speeding tickets, you know, um, Mm -hmm. you get ticketed, you get fined, or you do the time. Well, I think for offenses, for infidelity, any party who's aware of what's happening, I think there should be a fine, a monetary fine, because we can slap people on the wrist. We can exile them here and there or get excommunicated from churches or things of that nature. And all that, you know, it, it does play a role. But are you really learning from that or are you going to just continue to have the cycle repeat itself. And so I'm thinking if there was something more that was imposed and strictly a monetary fine, like the first offense, it's like, okay, X amount of money, you were caught with your pants down or whatever. And now this is what you have to do. But along with that, with that fine, six months mandatory counseling so that there's something that will back that up and hopefully awareness will come from that and both parties can have their say whether they choose to stay together or not but still hopefully this would be a building block towards understanding themselves their actions and their reactions to their environment and just some education you know get people educated so that they have a basic understanding and even more so you know that would be my best case scenario so that they can be better in their lives just for themselves if nothing else you know for just sure. for themselves yeah so, so it, it must be a really tough uphill battle for the work that you're doing in today's day and age where it seems like marriage and relationships aren't treated with the same respect anymore it's like these things aren't sacred as they once were it's almost like it's easier for people to just walk away as opposed to putting in the work to try and repair things. I mean, you also have the external forces like websites and things like Ashley Madison, which almost seem like they encourage or celebrate infidelity, which is absolutely nuts to me. But so how do you accomplish your mission with things like this stacked against you? You know, when I first had the idea to write this book, people thought I was nuts. What are you, crazy? That's a big subject. And I knew it was, again, my thing is not to make it go away because it's never going to go away. Never is a big word, but historically it's, it's been happening. And, and because we can't get to every single person on the planet, not every person is willing to listen as far as what it means to be a healthy individual. So you can have healthier relationships and because of religion, societal conditioning, cultural impacts, familial interactions. So it's difficult for people to break away from those norms. And I just have to work it the best I can, you know, just bringing awareness and just talking to people and listening to people and one step at a time. And there are huge forums for this out there in cyber world or in the world at large, you know, infidelity is, it's broad and it's, it, it runs globally. And I think it's just one step at a time. Just by writing the book, that was something for me. That was a big step to, here's another 
presentation of this. You know, I'm not snarky. I'm not the victim. I'm not the clinical. I'm a person who've had the experience and my approach is practical. Yeah. It's it's an easy read. The book is an easy read. I made it easy so that people can digest it and they won't be put off by it. Or if they are, that's okay. (laughs) Doesn't speak to them. You know, it's like, okay. That's fine. So my, you know, I can't look at it in those terms of, oh my God, I got this big mountain I got to climb. It's more like, okay, I'm chipping away over here. I'm doing my part. Yeah. You reach the people who you're meant to reach, who it resonates with, and that's it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. What were you doing then before you started down this path of your author journey and this advocacy work? Well, I've been in the entertainment business for many years. So my initial role was as an actor. And then I went into doing stand-in work, voiceover work. I did casting for a while. When I'm now a dialogue coach on a television show. But when I went through my period of separation... I chose a different mantle. I went into underserved communities. I taught language arts and I, I needed to step away. I'm not quite sure why. I, I think because my head was a little boggled by everything and I didn't think I'd be able to do my best work within the business. And it requires energy, you know, entertainment. Yeah. Business requires energy. Um, so I, not that language arts doesn't, but it's, uh, I was with students, one-on-one with students. And so it was a different sort of energy, you know? Okay. I, yeah. To date, Elda, what would you say is your biggest high, your greatest win? I think continuing personal growth. I'm going to say definitely personal growth, continuing mm-hmm. to go down that road or wanting to go down that road, wanting to be a better person. And the book, certainly, that was my personal best at the time. And it still is because it it can run indefinitely. You know, it's evergreen. That book is evergreen. For good or bad, it's evergreen. So the fact that my words of prevention will exist until the book does, that's a coup for me. Even if, for whatever reason, I wind up pulling back from it. At least my words are out there. It's still being generated in you know, sure. prevention and healthy relationship building. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after you learned it? Well, I used to be very self-righteous, very self-righteous, very opinionated. That only goes so far. And it takes a lot of energy to keep trying to promote your opinion as being the right one, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and you get a lot of feedback, which isn't necessarily in your best interest. You know, it's not always met with enthusiasm for good reason. So when I figured out that, Hey, instead of being self-righteous, just be self-aware. That's all you have to do is just be self-aware, build on that. You don't need to expend extra energy. People, in my life now, call me Zen Elda, or, <laughs> you know, they go to me for wise words, and I'm the healthiest person they know. And that's all great and well. I, I still have my other side, you know, it's still there, you know, yeah. not just self-righteous, certainly not self-righteous, but I, you know, I have this other part of me that's pretty sassy and, you know, fun-loving and free-spirited, but I just know your audience, you know, where you choose to for sure. share all this. So that leads me to believe that I'm doing something right. And I'm not on a pedestal by any stretch of the imagination. You know, I'm, I'm 
struggles and stumble and all that. But I'm very happy that I managed to get to this place where I am and I'm secure in being able to say no to people or choosing my battles. I choose my battles so wisely and not getting sucked up into other people's negative energy or their drama or the gossip and all this. It's really a relief to be able to step back and remain neutral. Certainly I'm not a pushover. You know, I will step in when I need to, but not just to defend. Well, again, not just to be self-righteous, just to be grounded in my person. From self-righteousness to self-awareness. I love, yes. There's the next title for your book. I like it. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Alda, what is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received? Things aren't being done to you. They're being done for you. And it's not advice. It's something I heard and I may be misquoting, but it makes so much sense to me if you believe in that sort of philosophy, which I do. So when things get rough and they do, they get hectic, you know, I'm calling in all the gods and the heavens or whomever is listening, you know, I'm like, what the heck? Can you please, <laughs> please explain to me what's happening here? You know, my yeah. parents are both deceased and I'm shouting out to them like, hello, a little help, you know, Yeah, help me over here. I'm over yeah. here. I need your help. <laughs> a little direction, please. Yeah. So. I think that understanding, well, that I have the strength to get through the things I've been through. Um, people have been through much worse. And I'm not just talking about infidelity, but, you know, we all have our struggles in life. And yeah. Pain. But I continue to get through them, you know, and people comment on how strong I am. And strength has its place, but you have to be able to let go and let loose and have be able to share that with someone else as well, because that can be its own burden. So that's it, you know, just, yeah. it's not happening to you. It's happening for you. Yeah. And the more I become myself, the more I understand that. What does the word empowerment mean to you? Mm, being solid in who you are and sitting in the power of who you are. And it's enough to know that your foundation is not impenetrable, but it'll keep you going. And it's the basis of your, well, here we go with strength again. <laughs> and, you know, making really solid, decent decisions for yourself and doing that without second guessing, not with ego, but just knowing that, no, this, this is how I feel. And yeah. I'm strong in this belief. Not to your detriment or not to, again, the ego-driven part. Well, no, your belief, blah, 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 blah. But it's just that, no, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. You know, and being able to sit in that and live in that. And that's empowerment to me. Okay. We're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions just be one, two, three word type answer thing. Okay. okay. What is your favorite self-care practice? Doing nothing. <laughs> Although there's a caveat, I know this is only one or two words, but lately self-care for me is watching Tom Jones, the singer, circa 1967, singing I'm Never Gonna Fall in Love Again. I can All just right. drown in that and I'm okay. good. Yeah. It takes me away from everything. Let's <laughs> create a little fantasy life like, oh, I wish I was 1960s Tom Jones, you know? <laughs> yeah. So. What is your biggest pet peeve? Callous ignorance. If you could be remembered for one thing, 
what would it be? That I was thoughtful, a thoughtful human being. How would you describe yourself in one word? I'm going to go with thoughtful. <laughs> I'm going to go with that one again. If you're writing your autobiography, what would the title be? Oh, gosh. Maria Ike's From Self-Righteous to Self-Awareness. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've heard that somewhere before, I think. <laughs> I Covered love it. by Brad Walsh. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I'll take the co-writing credit on yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. If you could teach the world one thing, Alda, what would it be? Know yourself. Just know who you are in the planet. Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to wants, needs, and desires. Know who you are. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Deep peace of mind. And that concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> What's something surprising you've learned about yourself in the past year? past year that I didn't know about listening without interrupting. That was a huge aha moment for me. So okay. I, I'm going to go with that. Yeah. And I okay. highly recommend it. Yes. What do you see as your greatest accomplishment? Being an example to others of what is possible on many levels where what I do in the world at large and that I do it with conviction and that I do it with passion and I, not a lot of fear, you know, not a yeah. lot of fear. And I'm cautious because I'm a female on the planet. So, you know, I, I take that in consideration, but I, I don't look at the negatives or I don't look at uh, the fear factor of things, but I certainly weigh things out. So if you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? It would be my mother. Because, you know, we have our, our parents in our lives and we don't really know who they are. And my mom, she did reveal bits and pieces of herself, you know, which was always funny and always enlightening and always evoked a mom. I don't need to hear that, you know, <laughs> but I would love to sit with her and like, what were your dreams as a child? And what yeah. was it like for you really being married? I mean, my parents had, uh, they were together for 41 years before my father passed away and they had their struggles and challenges, no doubt, but they stuck it out. And I'm not saying that was necessarily the best thing because that was their generation, you know? Yeah. But there was certainly love there. So if you weren't married, what would you have wanted to have done? And what? Who are you even more on a deeper level? I wish I could have asked her that. Now, when she did leave, when she did pass away, there was no stone left unturned for all intents and purposes because we always had a really good open relationship. But there's still more to be explored. For sure. Yeah. For sure. In the last two years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life, would you say? I'm going to go back to listening. <laughs> yeah, just, I see a theme here, Alba. There's a theme in there, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. And being, you know, actually being open to people's stories because I had, um, which involves listening, I, I consider myself to be a very tolerant individual and non judgmental because I was on both sides of this story, you know, infidelity story. But some of the stories I heard, it was like, oh my God. You know, in the moment, I didn't express that, but it's like, oh my God, you did that, that happened, that was allowed. And and so I had to expand my own notions 
and make room for other people's stories. And I continue to do that. And now that those moments of, oh my gosh, are over, it's more of an educational, it's all educational, but it's more of an educational experience for me. Like, okay, tell me what yours was like and tell me what your story was like. And they're never the same. And they're never that simple as I just went out. No, no. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. They think, oh, he's just a jerk or she's just a bitch for going and doing what she did. Right. There's reasoning there for it. It doesn't make it right what they did, but we don't know the backstories and some are more intense than others. And we have to take that in consideration to really figure out what's happening. So it's not just, you know, these are bad people. It's like they didn't know how to communicate. They don't know who they are and they haven't found their way yet. Yeah, for sure. And that's a simplification as well. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Take more opportunities. And I really took opportunities because I went out into the world independent as a female, as a woman of color in an industry, number one, that was a welcoming industry, but it still wasn't. I'm talking about entertainment industry. Yeah. But there wasn't a lot of room for people of color back then. But nonetheless, I made my way. And I, it took opportunities and some, I was having so much fun along the way that I didn't take the opportunities I probably should have. And again, should is a big word, yeah. but that I feel would have taken me down, possibly taking me down another path had I given it more thought. So these days, well, it's been a while since I've had the philosophy of take more opportunities say yes to everything that you can because in self-doubt and fear come into play. Like, no, I can't do that. I'm not ready for that. And there are times when you innately know, like, no, uh-uh, I, I, yeah, I'm for sure. not ready for that. And other times it's just giving yourself an extra push. Like, okay, all right. Like initially, Brad, you and I were supposed to talk at, you know, 6 a.m. my time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was huge for me. <laughs> <laughs> and you were, and I have to say, you were ready to go. We uh, just yeah. ran into issues where it didn't happen. So sometimes, yeah. yes, it is pushing past that fear or those self limitations. Self limitations, yeah. yeah. And for it, sure. you know, I knew that this was a little learning curve for me, and that why not do? I don't want to do it that early in the morning, but okay, this is what's happening. So uh, something that simple and seemingly so small, but those little bits, they wind up to being big chunks of, I can do, and I will do. For sure. For sure. What you got, you know, I will take it. Absolutely. Lastly, Elda, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, your corner of the world, your tribe, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? So am I leaving the planet? Am I dying or yeah. oh okay i'm really leaving the planet here yeah like you just words of wisdom that you've collected along the way through your life and you want to leave for other people to learn from okay your people your tribe right well first i, I would thank the world at large and the people in my life you know for the opportunities to participate on a daily basis i'm thankful for the lessons learn through happenstance or personally or through, you know, my many blunders that hopefully you do learn lessons from. I've appreciated the beauty of the people in my life and the landscapes around me and um, what I've been able to accomplish 
with my time on the planet. Uh, and I reveled in the joy and love and felt the depths of pain and sorrow. And I'm, I have to be thankful, I guess, for all of that because it creates who we are as much as we don't want to go through pain. Nobody wants to go through pain, you know, but I understand it. And, you know, life is beautiful and messy. And I wish people in my tribe to find the balance of both in their life, of the beautiful and the messy, and to keep willing themselves to continue to go down the path of striving and thriving. And I know that sounds trite, but I, I, I do mean that. And to make healthy choices and, you know, eventually your life will thank you and it'll be more enriched and fulfilled. And I think that's, that's it. Beautiful. You know, well, I wish everyone love and, and, you know, happiness and all that. But I also know that life experience is so valuable and learning from your life, ex learn from your life experience. <laughs> oh, please. Yeah. Beautifully said, Elda. Elda, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with me today and for sharing in your experience, experiences, your wisdom. Keep shining your bright, beautiful light out into the world and doing this incredibly important work out in the world that you're doing now. I think it's amazing and it's inspiring. So thank you for being the beautiful soul that you are. And thank you for being here with me today. And I'm grateful to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. Why, well, thank you, Brad, and I wish you well in your endeavors. It's a, a beautiful endeavor, and I appreciate what you're bringing to the table. And, uh, you know, thank you for your kind words, and it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I'm so glad it finally happened, right? <laughs> yes. I don't know what that means. There's something there. I don't know what it means, but I'm just happy we were able to connect. Absolutely. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Elda Lopez. She is the author of the book entitled Infidelity Factor, Points to Ponder Before You Cheat. She is also an advocate for infidelity prevention. Thank you so much, Elda. I hope you have an amazing and beautiful remainder of your day. Thank you. Bye. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.